the more you play with people, the more you get used to their position, you get used to their movements, and obviously you build chemistry. Did it take long to build the chemistry with Shane Walsh then? No, didn't take long at all. <laughs> Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports And you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk John Duggan with you 3 to 5 on the first football Saturday of 2023 Remember Football on Off The Ball brought to you by Sky Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports We're streaming the conversation as well You can listen across the country on your radio on News Talk Also watch us on the digital and social channels For Periscope on Twitter, at Off The Ball YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app Delighted to be joined in studio by the League of Ireland and FAI Cup winning footballer Graeme Gartland Football correspondent of the Irish Independent Dan McDonnell and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward You can text us 53106 or you can tweet us at Off The Ball Happy New Year everybody How are we all getting on? Good JD Yeah we're good yeah I've been uh, looking at Instagram stories the last few days and Dan and Johnny you started the year very well Well I mean It's, 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 it's like it's all downhill from here well, to yeah. be clear, want to talk about your week? Well, I mean, I can talk about my week. I, I didn't do a huge amount. I just I, I stayed in a hotel last night. Quite a nice hotel. Johnny's been down in Kerry, living in a five-star lap of luxury for oh, the entire is. week. Yeah, like this is like his, this is the first two hours of the week he's actually going Johnny's to Ireland without being waited on Johnny's. by someone. <laughs> I saw him flick his fingers at somebody earlier, just asking for coffee. <laughs> and it was 770. Yeah. Johnny, uh, Johnny posted, up, uh, posted up an Instagram post about the wonderful scenery of Kerry. I was like, this is lovely. I clicked into it. It was just a series of meals yeah. on a plate. So, like, I showed Gugan percent sort of cutlery, 20, you know, 30% scenery. I was near uh, Bill the Blow, JD, where you visited uh, this uh, year. West Cork. On the 100th day. On the 100th day, on the 100th anniversary, yeah. So, no, it was a good, good trip and... Uh, I don't know, I was talking to the guy today about the fact that the League of Ireland is kind of creeping in now and we've got some good news stories for 45 Ireland 45 seconds week. to get a reference in. Go yeah, well, uh, yeah, obviously it's, it's, FA, United, yeah. it's FA Cup weekend, but, um, you know, friendlies are only a couple of weeks away um, and uh, we've a couple of good news stories on the Irish front, I think, this week as well to talk about. And maybe a cookery programme in the offing. Um, uh, yeah, like, who knows? I mean, Johnny Ward's um, five that's, star that's where the money is, really, isn't it? <laughs> that could be a good, um, never mind a cooking program. You just have the whole travel program. You can just Johnny just travelling around Ireland, like, into various sort of five-star venues. We have an know? amazing country. Um, I think we should never lose sight of that amazing country. <laughs> yeah, leave them off. Yeah. Sorry, I'd, watch you, you show you, I'd, I'd watch a travelling show that you do. Me and Paul Doolan. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. you and Dan just giving it you just admiring everything and Dan just telling you to be quiet halfway through yeah which is probably going to happen the next two hours yeah. um, so uh, sad news though in the world of football the last 24 hours Gianluca Vialli passing away only 58 uh, yesterday the legendary footballer Italian uh, national team player Cremonese Sampdoria Juventus and Chelsea and uh, 275 goals and th- 732 appearances and um, Graham Gartland very much a loved figure I think you can see that by all the tributes the last while yeah, I think the affection that he's garnered from the whole football community, more so about how he was as a person yes. rather than was as a footballer, it's, it's very heartwarming and very heartfelt to, to see because he's obviously impacted so many people's lives. Um, he, he, he comes across as such a warm character and a lovable character and he, and he brought that love and affection to the game and he put that into the players and the people that he worked with. Uh, I think 
people of our generation like that grew up in the 80s have, have such a strong affinity towards the Italian league during that era because it was it Channel was, 4 yeah the Channel 4 game and you'd watch it on Saturday morning and then you'd watch the, the game on a Sunday before you might get the Sunday game and I think we grew up around watching all these players in the Italian league look so appealing and they had such great players around at that stage and he was one of them and then obviously then I think I'm coming to Chelsea and coming to England originally and he didn't really play that much when he first came in I was talking to a good friend of mine today uh, Michael Dubry and I rang him on the way in and he, he said that he said he didn't really play that much when he came in but he never it never changed who he was and his demeanour around the dressing room he was still very lovable very likeable um, very enthusiastic brought a, a joy to the dressing room he said so whether he was playing or not on the route Hullet he still brought that and that meant a lot to a lot of the players in the dressing room and then eventually when he took over he never changed who he was as a manager he still treated people very fairly he was still honest with them he still had a joy joy about him as a manager and he was 34 I think when he took over I think I was talking to him today he said he took over his two semi-finals as well when uh, Hullet left and he got the player manager's gig and then he, he got into the finals and he said he was very honest very upfront uh, very likeable even though he didn't try and be likeable he just had that character about him but like you said I think more so his career as a footballer I think more so his character um, I, th- I heard Graeme Souness saying he was, a, he was a beautiful soul yeah, he was in tears actually on Sky yeah and th- to see someone like Souness yeah. be upset about it I think he was a kid when Souness met Masampadori and he took him under his wing mm. but I think when you're that age and you see the, the youthfulness and enthusiasm that you come in it makes you be a kid again and that sometimes the older players like to be around that and I, I just think he, he brought such a, a joyous uh, sort of personality to, to football and lads, there was a lovely scene, I think, at the end of the Euros final between themselves and Mancini because they soldiered together at Sampdoria. They were players together. They were both in Italian uh, squads. And uh, for them to have that moment, I think they both knew that, that Gianluca wasn't that well. Um, it's, it's, it's something very special. Yeah, I mean, like, I can only really echo what Graham said. I yeah. think a lot of the you know, the feelings are similar. You know, I was sort of being of a similar age and, and yeah. watching them at the, you know, remember them in that way. I was actually just reading up about, like, you know, because, of course, Sunes. The crossover with Sunes was in Viali as a young player as well. You know, Viali was only twenty, I think Sunes said, wasn't he, when they met? Mm-hmm. So probably when when we were watching Viali, he was a little bit older, a little bit more established. But um, just yeah, just it seems to be. I mean, I know it's, it's it's always the way. Like when someone passes away, like you're honing on the good stuff. But like you sort of read up on Viali, sort of background there's not a huge amount of sort of controversy there. You know, there's no. you know there's, there's a sort of a, there's a for whatever reason, like clearly he, he settled in, in the UK, in London. He was obviously very happy there. Like he managed Watford after Chelsea. Clearly, I think he got involved in various investment things or whatever, rather than for whatever reason pursuing management. Like maybe you can argue, you know, maybe was he too likable or just didn't need the didn't need the the, 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 the sort of that, that driver demands just go in and, and be the manager full time. Um, but clearly, like as you said, soon as very emotional. The the the, the generosity of the tributes from elsewhere, even that moment with Mancini that you mentioned, because Mancini even can be a polarizing figure. You sense, you know, with people he's worked with, but there was a, a genuine warmth and affection. So it's it's always, I mean, it's always sad, you know. It's it's like um, these things always make you reflect on your own age, and and, yeah. and you know when you see sort of uh, people, you know, from your your youth, and and it's sort of that's it's obviously a sobering thought, but. Um, yeah, very. He done very Sky good. Italia, didn't he? He brought he brought the whole what Sky had done in terms of the Premiership and and the broadcasting and all that. I think he brought that to Italy as well, and and 
revolu- not revolutionised it, but sort of regenerated Sky Italia and, and made that a big a bit of a bigger force in Italy. Uh, and then obviously he goes into doing the, the stuff with the Italians where he becomes uh, organiser and helps Mancini with the Euro. So he's done he done a lot as well in terms of and that and that's just his personality coming across on screen that he was so likable and so lovable. Um and, and but underneath it all and I think from what I what I gathered from talking to Michael today, there was an honesty about it. It wasn't just he, he wasn't just saying these things, he was honest about Humanity, his yeah. opinions. Yeah, exactly. There is something about those players that came to England in the mid nineties, like when yeah. the, it's when the Premier League was being elevated to another level, and I know that there was like a spate of them after the World Cup in America. Say, you know, and you had Klinsman around that time, or you know, Radicchio and you know Dumitrescu yes. and stuff. Three four uh, rules, wasn't it? That changed. Well, yeah, that changed in the, yeah. the, that that was sort of in the in the mid nineties. Well, that was around European games as well. But then, um, like Viali was possibly like a, a really big name when he arrived, and that was when you were starting to get players. In their pomp, rather than to the European Cup, the Premier League was a little bit of a like it was it was a, there was a little bit of a, as well, Dan, wasn't but it? there was a retirement home vibe to some of the moves mm. that they got, or a little bit sort of a you know a bargain basement element, or like it was still it was still out of date. Wasn't the destination? No, no, but this was this was part of the transition, and like Viali and Hullet at Chelsea was. I know Hullet was obviously getting on at that stage, but still, it was it was. Then you're moving towards Zola and, and Henri. And then you're getting to that, that other level. SAE came yeah. then, didn't yeah. he? Like, and yeah, yeah. exactly. Was, they were trailblazers in a certain in a certain way. Golazzo was a game changer, wasn't it? Yeah, like and I don't know. Like I obviously didn't know Gianluca Vialli, but I felt you feel like reading the tributes that you can just almost relate to him, JD. That's, um, you know, I have a great fondness for. Um, Italians in general and he just comes across in from all the sort of tributes as this this guy that would just light up the room with his smile and um, just a beautiful kind of humble man I, I thought he had some great lines you know the there'll be an awful lot of people today who will 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 know um, of somebody who passed away from pancreatic cancer it's um, you know Pat Smullen I suppose would have been the one that's uh, most recent in, in, in the sense of somebody I knew and it's it's an awful disease because um, it's one of the worst forms of cancer you can get and I think he, he had three battles with it and fought, bat, fought it twice but he was quite philosophical about it in the sense that he said I'm not I, I, this isn't um, a battle for me because you know cancer is much greater than me but I, I'm not going to let it um, you know ruin what's left of my life and I want to live as long as I can hopefully it gets bored and just runs away and sadly it didn't but the, the philosophy of uh, you know, his kids, he said, kids learn from your actions rather than your words. And uh, I think he's two girls and it, it, they must be so bereft at losing a man like that. Imagine having a, having a father like that. And I think for me, I'd be very nostalgic, like Graham mentions there, watching football from Italy as a kid. I mean, we're now accustomed to basically being able to watch any game we want really in the Premier League. And... At that time, I, d- I don't even know, had we we may have only had two channels. And when it was on, on Monday night, uh, the highlights on, um, was it Miles Dungan used to present it? And I picked two teams, and Sampdoria were one of them, and Juve were the other. And um, just reading today how he and Mancini, like, they were... They were such good friends in the playing days and he didn't really want to move to Milan sort of straight away um, because he felt like at a bigger club he wouldn't be... Um, I suppose is respected and it was Sampdoria's only league win was was when they were there and uh, do you know the sad, it's it's kind of sad as well that the, the Premier League has gotten so big and we talk about it here every Saturday other leagues have suffered and Italy has suffered 
massively since those heady days where I've been to I've been to games in Italy over the years and you can feel the decline you can feel the lack of money that's there and a part of me would be nostalgic for that time when you know the Italian league was was the best and you had that great Milan team but I think he belongs to another era that story of like his first game where he, he you know he at Chelsea where he basically has all the players drinking champagne and they go on to win a second leg and overturn first leg deficit um, it's very sad and uh, like I think Dan Dan touched on a good point there you know um, he wasn't that much older than me and you do start to think about your own life and getting that bit older when somebody when I when I heard like when I heard he died it just seemed a bit of a shock even though he, he'd been so sick because like Gianluca Vialli seems like somebody who's still for me putting on that jersey at Chelsea or still for me is playing in the the game in Italy and uh, you know it's it's I didn't obviously didn't didn't know the man from Adam, but it, it's it's sad. It's really sad to see somebody of that age. And the other thing, the last thing I'd say about it is the the way that he dealt with it, where he said, you know, I'm on a journey. Um, I'll be on this journey until I pass away, but um, I'm going to enjoy what's left of my life and be a good example. And another lovely thing he said was, people, uh, you know, they like to they like uh, you to smile and they like you to laugh more than they like you to talk at times. And he just seemed like a beautiful man. Yeah, well said, Johnny. Um, we had texter in here from Kevin Andrahada. Saw Gianluca play for Italy against Denmark. He already eight scored uh, in that tournament and always held a great place in my footy heroes, along with uh, Franco Baresi. Uh, so you could always rely on him to get a goal. So well said, Kevin, as well, on 53106 about Gianluca Vialli. It is FA Cup third round weekend and, and uh, Irish players in action. We're watching one at the <coughs> moment. Yeah, watching. Well, CJ Hamilton's also involved with Blackpool he's, and he's, he's been involved. But Andy Lyons is probably the. Uh, the story today or probably a story that would uh, generate a fair bit of discussion because he's he's just completed his move obviously the move was done ages ago but he wasn't eligible to play uh, for Blackpool after his move from Shamrock Rovers until January the 1st so um, at the first available window they've got him in and I think there was a, an unavailability of another player that's facilitated it but um, it's a great way for him to sort of get his you know, get his feet in the door. You know, to establish himself and and get a taste of of football in England and and playing against um, playing against the Premier League club. Um, I mean, it's a it's a special day for him. I know for you, John, you, you, his uncle Johnny, yeah. yours would yeah. be my best pal. Yeah, yeah, would yeah. be incredibly proud. proud. Yeah. Um, and like Andy's story is a sort of a he's twenty two. Um, he would have been at Bowes, um, probably synonymous with Bowes to a point. You know, after sort of a breaking through there in a couple of years there but it was this time last year when I think you know nothing was really coming up for him in the UK and I think he was looking at a few options and there was various agents involved and for whatever reason he ended up going to Shamrock Rovers instead um, but he brought his game to another level there as a left wing back I'm actually quite interested in trying to watch the game here to figure out is he right back or right wing back just um, in this match he would have been known as a right sided player all of his life even Ireland on 21s um, but at Shamrock Rovers, he was a left wing back, and he sort of thrived. Uh, on that, Dan, I, I remember, I remember saying to you that I didn't think Andy Lyons um, um, was offered enough kind of Blackpool, Blackpool scored for taking the lead. I think a one 0 against Nottingham Forest. That when, when Andy Lyons at Bowes, I said, I, I, I don't think he, he offers enough like in attacking positions at times. And then he basically scores loads of goals as a left wing back for Rovers. And I think Stephen Bradley deserves a bit of credit because I could not see that coming, I have to say. I, I thought, like, to me, the attacking stuff was there. Sometimes his defending in a back Oh, his defending was outstanding. Oh, no, I thought, thought been, it was more questionable. That would have been, that would have been the, the question mark about him. His defence in a back four, right mm. back. I remember watching him play 
an incredible game. The ball was very game. It was three all. Uh, I remember that where Georgie Kelly scored. Um, mm. And uh, Andy Lyons was taken off for twenty minutes mm. to go. He was really struggling. Like you know, I think I think defensively in a back four would have been the question mark. But uh, attacking wise, I thought the game against Fulham. Remember Graham when he was coming up when he was coming up for bowls against proper proper opposition. He was absolutely outstanding that night. And I was like, this fella definitely could play at higher level. Never saw him making a left wing back though. He's like he's he, he seemed to be quite right foot as well on the right today. And then they put Neil Farouja, um right wing back, which um, was kind of almost throwing the rule book out the window. A very left footed player on the right, and Andy Lyons quite yeah, a right foot. It's hard to across as It was one of the things that when they check back, it's very hard to stop a mm. cross being coming into the box when you check back and it gives them a chance to do that but then they obviously the suits the way Rovers play and that they look for runners then to go into that space mm. that, that that the wing backs would aren't going into by going on the outside but um I interviewed him just before he left as on one of the on one of the clear the head things that we done and uh, he spoke about yourself he spoke about Johnny Lyons and his dad's uh sort of his dad was big into Argentina Morris yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and and, and uh Johnny was big into. Mars, hope you're listening. Johnny was big into Holland, and he had this big clash over seventy eight World Cup yeah, final. Yeah, seventy eight World Cup <laughs> final because they went travelling, and it was interesting. And then he said Mount Merion, for example, where Morris was involved. Yeah. yeah, where White and where the Argentina kit because Morris was involved, loved the Argentina kit. So I didn't know any of this. So stuff like that was really interesting, and uh, how he lived and when he went to Blackrock Co- uh, College, then he he stayed in he stayed in digs and used to travel. So he was well used to being away. He seems. When I speak to him, and I spoke to him quite a bit last season, he's very mature in his approach towards the game, and he knows that he constantly just has to get better, and he knows that there's elements of game he needs to work on. He eats right, he, he doesn't touch alcohol at all because he thinks, I, I, I can't afford to, to make a wrong step here, I have mm. to be at my maximum all the time. That's all you can do, I want it. Yeah, and that's all you can ask for, for young players, like that they have that thought process. Yeah, FA Cup third round. Blackpool have taken the lead against Nottingham Forest 1-0. Boreham Wood 0, Accrington 1. Bournemouth 1, Burnley 1. It's Chesterfield 1, West Brom 2. Fleetwood 0, QPR 0. Hull 0, Fulham 0. Ipswich 0, Rotherham 0. Middlesbrough 1, Brighton 1. Millwall 0, Sheffield United 0. And Shrewsbury 0, Sunderland 0. And earlier, Spurs beat Portsmouth 1-0. Southampton 1-2-1 at Crystal Palace. Forest Green and Birmingham was postponed. Gillingham 0, Leicester 1 a result. Preston 3 Huddersfield won a result. Reading 2, Watford nil a result. Also just going to give you some scores from the Gaelic Games world with O'Byrne Cup matches and uh, club matches on today. So the O'Byrne Cup, we have um, Westmeath 1-12, Wexford 4 points, uh, second half score. Uh, Louth 12 points, Kildare 7, Meath 2-9, Leash 10 points, Longford 11 points, Carlo 3 and Offaly 1-8, Wicklow 5. In the Walsh Cup hurling, Dublin 2-18, Antrim 2-17 and Fossa of Kerry Lee Castletown at 3-12 to 9 points in the Junior Football Club semi-final. The other semi-final uh, saw uh, Clifton lead Stewartstown last time we heard 1-7 to 9 and uh, that's what's going on uh, GA-wise. In terms of Irish footballers in the UK, I suppose the big story this week, lads, is Evan Ferguson. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I was presenting here last week, JD, and we had Simon Cox on and uh, Dan and... Um, I don't know, was it a... There was a little bit of... Uh, well, I don't know, what would you say when we talked about Ireland? Was, the mood was probably more half-empty than... The glass is probably more half-empty than half-full, and there was kind of a reflection on the fact that, you know, we've we've a very tough kind of schedule ahead and it seems though it seems as though Evan Ferguson's week has almost like just given a massive lift and uh, it's fascinating because I mean I spoke to Jim Crawford about him today and he said 
not only was he, did we absolutely love him with the 21s when he came in, but apparently with the senior team, he trained very well. But there was a brilliant piece in Irish Independence Day. I'd strongly recommend it um, because they really went back into people that knew him. And the, the line that struck out for me, for I think it was Keith Long who said it was, Evan would play football every day if he could would play football literally every minute of the day if he could and he just seems so single-minded about what he has to do because we can mention a million players that could have been what they didn't become because they were distracted by other things obviously you know the refle- the the example of Aaron Connolly's we mentioned a lot and Aaron Connolly's trying to reinvent his career but I think Aaron took his uh, eye off the ball big time um, and what, what was interesting for me was that Evan Ferguson was so strong physically um, at an early age, was he going to plateau? But for me, that goal against Arsenal was like, for a player of 18 years of age, show that strength. Um, Saliba, yeah. Was a bigger goal than the one against Everton. I think Everton were a bit of a shambles. But you can't but be uh, really, really excited. And by March, does he emerge as like a really strong candidate for start for to start for Ireland? Maybe he does. Should we have players that are playing in the Premier League like Evan and Nathan Collins as he will be an Irishman in Bazunu and say Joe Hodge for example should they be near the top billion because they're in the Premier League? Well I don't know I think like there comes a point where an international team has to have some kind of structure and consistency and if you just pick players on the basis of always you know, oh, doing it in the Premier League you have to pick them I mean that's that's often what the fan shout will be and I mean I understand it completely. it was with Darren Connolly back in the day like you know I completely understand where it comes from and, and sometimes it's right you know and um, but uh, like the thing is though in fairness like Stephen Kenny brought Evan Ferguson into the squad in November now Interestingly enough, like I think it was good to get that out of the way, so there's no sense of he's not coming in to meet the staff or something for the first time in March. I think that was a clever thing to do. But Kenny at the time was probably speaking about thinking possibly Ferguson could go out on loan in January, and by the time March comes around, he could have suddenly played 15, 20 games, and and you, you want to have him in. And, and I think it's something about Stephen Kenny. Um, he had, doesn't always involve people in their first squad. He sort of brings them in to have them around the place and then maybe they play in their second or third visit. Um, but now with Ferguson, there's no fears. The one thing you would say about March is that Ireland have this friendly against Latvia, which is a little bit of a nothing game. Um, and it's, it's five days out from the France match. I think they wanted to have it as early as possible in the week because it's all about France. But actually, there could be interest in that game now if it is the case that this is when Evan Ferguson starts. And, and maybe that's his chance that hopefully at that stage, you know, there's, he still retained the momentum because it is just one week. Mm. Um, there's a danger of overhyping, but, of course. Well, there is, but Graham knows about Evan Ferguson. What I'd say on that is, um, of course there is. But like some of the stuff this week is a bit, it's too, it's a very predictable analysis. Like, well, be, be careful with Aaron Connolly, uh, you know, and look what happened to Aaron Connolly with Evan Ferguson. When I think a lot of people involved in football here would know you're dealing with two quite different personalities. And but say Troy Parrott, for example. Yeah, but I think you're also dealing with a different type of personality there as well too. Like for certainly like 18 months ago, I remember speaking to someone very much involved with football. And like you're, you're, you're so careful. You have to be so careful about how you speak about like 16, 17 year old players coming through. So you you know, you, you don't want to shout it from the rooftops. And also you can look silly because, of course, you know, um, Evan Ferguson, I'm sure, in the last week has possibly been exposed to things he's never, you know, offers, messages, like all the, all the temptations and everything that will fall your way. I'm sure that's head scratching and, and head spinning, right? But, like, people who know this stuff for a long time have been very confident about Evan Ferguson because of his attitude. And that hasn't necessarily been 
there's always been that little bit of question mark over a couple of other players that hasn't been there with him and Graham will know more he will know more about his dad and the background and um, you know I think you know I think Evan Ferguson has a sister that's over on a scholarship in the in the in America like a very sporty family like a great sort of um, environment and people have always been convinced that whatever happens with Evan Ferguson it won't be attitude that trips him up ability is obviously the question but he's got loads of ability so I'd be pretty optimistic that he, he won't go the way of, um, of maybe some of the more uh, warning lessons. It's just injuries he has to avoid, I think, rather than that stuff. But Graham, you were being tormented by him when you were... Ah, yeah, we played, yeah. I, 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 obviously, when we started the academy force, the Shamrock Rovers, we, we tried to get him out. Kevin's, I, I rang Barry a few times. His dad. His dad, Barry, who I was uh, lucky enough to play with at Longford. Um, um, Barry was like, listen, the travel from Bettystown for him was, was too much to go all the way across to, to the south side as well. And in fairness, it wasn't the right thing for, for Evan, and, and Barry knew that as much as my personal relationship with Barry uh, was strong enough. Uh, I live up beside Barry at the minute, so I see him quite often, and he says Evan's taken in his stride. Uh, he, he's, you know, he, he's hitting off, he's, he's sort of where he needs to be at certain stages in his thing, but Barry was quite level-headed and quite relaxed about everything as a footballer as well. He, you know, you go out to perform and are you ready to perform? And he's instilled that in Evan. And like I said to you, we turned up to play a 12s game and I, I had seen Evan, you know, previously and again, very physical and he, he, he just absolutely battered us on the day. His game intelligence was really high. He was coming and collecting, setting, rolling, getting in the box. I think he scored two against us. We lost 4-0 in the final to win the league under 12. And uh, yeah, he was excellent. And I just thought, I, I didn't realise he was as good as that in terms of his game intelligence. Because uh, obviously a kid at 12 can rely very much on the physicality. But he was excellent. And I spoke to, to Barry a lot about him since. And even like he... He got called into the first team squad, and he didn't tell Barry till later on in that evening. And he was like, "Oh, I was busy." Like, and yeah. Barry was saying, "What? What were you busy doing?" Like, ah, I just had a meeting in the bank. Like, and Barry was laughing, going, "Like, how long did that? Like, you just how long did that take?" But he didn't see it as a. I need to get on the phone straight away. It was just one of those things he took and he stride. And like you said, from a long from a long way out, nobody ever questioned his his attitude towards the game. He, like Johnny said as well. He had a joy and a love for the game that he just wanted to play it, and, um, like and Barry can keep them level-headed and, and understand that there's going to be more peaks and trots and this and ups and downs in, in his career, and and Barry's able to to negate that with him because he's been through it himself. Like I think I think as well, like Graham has been involved in a really good Shamrock Rovers or the race system, and you know the pitfalls. You tell me stories of like to be a very good player for another club and. His dad would be trying to move him on to Rovers, even though you're thinking, is that right for the player? And I think that there's a there's a story from regards of what happens to Evan Ferguson going forward, JD, and hopefully he'll he'll become. Um, you think like he's three years more of growth or whatever it is. When he's 21, he should be hitting more closer to his physical prime or whatever. But if you look at the the role that Barry and uh, his mother, I sorry, I don't know his mother's name, Sarah. but Sarah. Sarah, Barry and Sarah have obviously played a massive role in this. The amount of kids, um, Satanta, I'm not sure if Satanta had become heir at the time, but Satanta did a documentary on on home farm a few years ago, and it was amazing to see the role, sometimes good but often bad, that parents can play in terms of of players' development and kids' development. And the, another great line from the piece today, where it's like, I think one of the boys from from Kevin said, "Don't be coming back now with tattoos." or any of that nonsense and he says nah, that's not me <laughs> no, and like yeah. that, like probably a kid of his age was probably odds on to get be 
loading up the tattoos and just not for him. But Johnny, you've any tattoos? No, no, no tattoos. <laughs> no tattoos in this, sir. No. Would no. you have been the tattoos? Wouldn't be accepted in some of his hotels. Any, no, never. I, like again, my support network was different. Going, I don't like, think there's anything wrong with tattoos. Like I, I grew when I was got when I was coming out of Jobstown to go away. For example, we had Noel Bourne who had just been to Liverpool and and had come home. And then Stephen Bradley was the next big thing. So all the expectation was on Stephen. So I sort of went a little bit under the radar. And then what happened was Robbie Keane and Mick McCarthy came to the school to launch the Tala Bowl, which was meant to be launched behind their, their uh, school, where their school was in Jobstown. So they rolled out me and Stephen for the press launch. And Mick McCarthy obviously took, heard I was signing for Barnsley and turned around and came over and, and made onto the news. And it sort of elevated me a little bit then but it was still Stephen going to Arsenal was the big thing but my my support network was really good I, I had three, uh, two older brothers and then my older sister my older sister's married to a guy called Mark Moraney who had gone to Millwall when he was younger and he came out of Jobstown as well so I had been through all of all of these stories and told like listen this is trying how you, you conduct yourself and do your business but it's still Oh, it's still so different than when you're living it because you, you're living on your own, you have your own money, you have no one to answer to, you come and go when you please in terms of what you're doing, you have to be at the club at a certain thing, but it's still just going from a family secure network to go and do your own thing straight away and, and some people need checks and balances to mind their finances because it can get a little bit like, like my first wage pack I bought a a boss denim jacket and my whole wage packet was gone and, but I thought it was the business still have it, like, still well. have it? Yeah. I do yeah it doesn't fit but <laughs> it, it was like I put it on there before Christmas and my missus was like why'd you even buy that like it's not even that nice I was devastated yeah. but it was like my, my whole wage packet was gone for the week and I'm like what? like I had no one to go listen and then all of a sudden you get talking and my sister would say to me listen you don't need to buy that in a month but put up, put your money away for it, and, and you learn to plan and do things like that. So, you you learn and grow as you go. But again, having that network around you to to make sure that you you don't go with the pitfalls. But I also the thing with the Aaron Connolly one for me, and and even going back to the Evan one, when you go in and play at a higher level, it shows up the stuff things that you might need to work on. So you might Evan might need to work on certain things that he he realizes well that didn't work against experienced defenders. It didn't work against players that can match me physically. Aaron, I played against Aaron when he seventeen. He, he he absolutely tore us asunder down in Galway one one day. Scored a hat trick against us, uh, and he was brilliant. And his pace and, he, and his directness was scary. And then it was all about can you improve your movement so you can enhance your pace. And when you get to a higher level where defenders can might stay with your pace wise and they're clever, you need to start working on certain things that's gonna keep you there. So it's all well getting there, but can you enhance your game that you can stay here and learn on the job and become better at what you're doing against better opposition? Instead of thinking, No, I'm good here, I'm okay. What can and Evan it, improve on then? That, no, but that's from saying to you, Evan will know that when he comes up against certain like if, if Evan comes up against the Van Dyke, like how does he get space away from him? So he has to learn that as you go. I I remember playing against I thought it was a really aggressive centre back and I played against a, play, a player called Wayne Allison I'm not sure if any of you remember him he's a journeyman striker yeah, yeah. Played, played for Tranmere and I was 17 at the time playing in the reserves and he, he was playing and he literally just put his hand out held me chest like that and waved at the goalkeeper <laughs> and to kick it and looked at me and went you're not getting this and went like that and waved and the keeper clipped one out and he took it on his chest and he set it and then he got across and into the box and then he done it again he went to the keeper keep doing it too small and I was like I was six foot 
I was aggressive, but I just didn't have to. I didn't understand how to get round. How them. did you react emotionally to that? Yeah, well, I got frustrated and I wanted to be more aggressive with him. So then eventually then he's pushing me underneath it. Yeah, he's pushing me underneath it. He's rolling me. So if he, he, he played on me. And then I'm going to go, I need to figure out how to come up against somebody that, yeah, he might be able to run me over the top, but physically he can dominate me from the get. So now I, then I went to work with a coach called, say, even Aaron Callahan, who helped me here at Longford. How do you get out in front of strikers that want to back in against you? So you, again, it wasn't that... I couldn't do it it just showed up that I hadn't learned it yet so for me to play at a higher level I need to learn how to do that and, and you only learn that by getting found out against somebody who had 500 league games against me so it's just that learning process that right I need to work on that because I can't do that and if I can't do that that's going to catch me out so that's what players what, yeah they'll break through and they'll burst on and Aaron Connolly burst on Right, what can I work on to, to, to keep me there? Because my pace is great, but do you know, I might need to work on my movements so that I'm, I'm a little bit... Or how, how can I collect in front without getting hit because I'm, 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 I'm not six foot. So again, movement, learning, watching videos, studying, going out and then putting into practice yeah. against better players. Uh, Aaron Connolly on the bench day for Hull, where he's until the end of the season now, they're playing a Fulham in the FA Cup. It's goalless at the moment. I'm um, just going to take a break in a moment. Just before that, the interest in the battle between defenders and strikers, the Haaland-Godfrey thing was fascinating. If you saw that last week, that uh, Godfrey got under his skin and Haaland reacted. And you're wondering, is it going to you know, make Haaland, because you flew into a challenge, is it going to actually galvanise him to play better? Or do defenders then actually, in the opposite way to your experience then, because I'm sure you got on top of strikers, then almost shrink a, stri- a striker? Yeah, I can't see him shrinking. I can't. <laughs> I just can't. I, I think. I think, like you said, you, you look at. His, we talk about Evan Ferguson's background. Look at his background. Like, you know, with, with his dad having played and gone through what he went through at different clubs, and you'd, you'd imagine with the, the, the even the coaches he has around him that are saying, "Listen, if they want to fight you like that, we'll work on something that when they go to step in front of you, you just run down the side of them. Or if they're trying to niggle you, we'll, we'll work on something else." But it's good to see him show a bit of emotion as well I think so, I, I heard somebody called him a bit of a robot the other day and I thought it was a little bit unfair they described him as being too robotic and I think it was actually good to see the fact that he is going to show a bit it was of funny actually yeah. it was quite a funny uh, little video about it because um, I think the Norwegians and the Scandinavians get told they're not very emotional they're a little bit cold a little bit too robotic they're a little bit too structured and I actually thought well fair play to him for showing a little bit more Graham Gartland Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday you want to text us on anything on football any question any opinion you can on 53106 we're back after this break don't go away and welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. Football Saturday, the first of the new year with Graeme Gartland, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent in studio. Remember, Football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. The Premier League is back. Watch every live game for the rest of the season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Listen across the country on News Talk and your radio and also watch us if you like on the digital and social channels on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and on the OTB Sports app. So the FA Cup third round is ongoing. Uh, matches that kicked off at 310 of them. Uh, Blackpool, we mentioned Andy Lyons in that team today. 1-0 lead against Nottingham Forest. Boreham Wood 0, Accrington 1. It is Bournemouth 1, Burnley 2. Chesterfield 2, West Brom 2. Fleetwood 0, QPR 1. Hull 0, Fulham 1. Ipswich 0, Rotherham 0. Middlesbrough 1, Brighton 2. Millwall 0, Sheffield United 2. Shrewsbury 0, Sunderland 0. You were watching Man United beat Everton last night, Graham Gartland. Rashford, is it all about confidence? He is right back to his best. 
Yeah, he looked electric last night. I think even for the was it the second goal he set up, he he, he looked unbelievable. He's so direct at the moment, yeah. isn't he? Where he just picks it up and he's he's looking for quickest route to goal, and it's scary when he's running downhill. It's a scary, <laughs> scary prospect to be facing. I thought he looked good last night at times. You know, it, it it became a little bit of a basketball match at times where. Everton had chances when I went to two one. There was one across the box. I think Man United cleared it off the line, uh, and he. But it looked like both teams were looked dangerous on the counter attack. But Rashford looks, yeah. I th- I think he's. I think it's a better environment for him to play. And he knows where everybody knows where they stand. They know that if you're if you're not on the ball, you're not going to play. So it's about are you ready to perform to to play? And if they're not, they don't play. And I think players react to that because they know if I'm doing my job and I'm on. I'm doing everything right and I'm performing. I'm gonna play, and if there's no um, favourites, there's no favouritism, there's no, you know, looking to play bigger names just because they're in the club. I think he's done a really good job at, at, at resetting the standards there at Manchester United, and I think you see the likes of Rashford will flourish in that. I think young players do flourish in that because they de- they need them sort of boundaries, the discipline. Yeah, the, 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 the Wolves thing was interesting because he he benched him because yeah. he was late or whatever the reason was, and then he came on and he scored. Came on, he scores, and then he goes and performs last night. So he obviously accepts that. Do you know what? I was in the wrong, but I'll make it up to you. He's 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 reacting to it in a positive way. Where I think some, I think when the environment isn't good around you, and that happens, you're nearly going. But what about what he done, and what about what they done, and they didn't get punished, but I did. Well, he won the battle there. He won the battle yeah. with Ronaldo. That was the big thing. Ten Hag just seems to be playing a blinder. Like in Ten wins in 11 now. And just the, as the handling of that situation in the Wolves game, I mean, it just it worked out perfectly. The handling of the yeah. Ronaldo situation, he's gone now. That worked out perfectly. And as you mentioned, they're on unbelievable form. You can coach as well. You can see it in the structure of the team. Casemiro obviously has been... Casemiro's, been, Casemiro's been massive, yeah. yeah. In, in terms of... And even like the likes of Maguire, like not playing Maguire and, and, and putting Shaw in centre-back, who obviously Martinez come back in the World Cup, might come back in. I think he's realised that... I, 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 I think Maguire is an oak, a decent defender, but I think he struggles to be a unit defender. I, don't th- I, I wouldn't like to play beside him. I think he defends for himself. And I get, the examples of that would be crosses. So if he if we're def- if he's the left sided centre back and I'm the right sided centre back and we're defending a cross from the right hand side, he will latch onto his man and leave that space free at the front post, and that kills you. As the Was second. he at fault for that cross the road cup? Yeah. See, that's I, when I see him latch onto people like that and vacate that front post area. It leaves the second. You're, you're nearly on an island as the second centre back defending that cross, and that's the bit where I'm going. Yeah, I understand that your man, and you want them scoring, but you need to take your position off the ball, and if I. Take me, if you take your position off the ball me as the next centre back I take my position off you on the inside of you if you vacate that area and step out I'm left on my own and then what I have to do is cover that space at the front post area a little bit more take me out of centre of the goal and I have to pull my other uh, either second centre back towards centre back in if you're trying three centre backs and me full back in and that gives up the back post area so he unsettles teams in terms of because he just he just thinks that's my man I'm stopping him scoring and there's a lot to be said for that as well at certain times but you have to do it as a, as a pair as a centre back pair and I think sometimes he can leave his other centre back on their own and a little bit isolated and especially from crosses into the box and I think Ten Hag has recognised that and gone with, you know what, we're going to go with a better partnership rather than just, well, you. it's on paper that you're a better defender. It'd be interesting to see, Dan, how the players uh, that played at the World Cup do now in the next while. Martinez, we mentioned there, Alvarez coming back into the city situation. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, like, I mean, you see the Brighton reaction to Alexis McAllister this week and, and uh, you know, Messi's return to PSG. There's obviously, you know, there's the contrast between the players who are coming back on the high and then, 
uh, and you know those are on a different mood. I mean, you see Harry Kane is sort of back at it now, um, despite sort of having suffered like a, uh, something that he said. You know he'll struggle to to get over it. So I think there's probably two stages to that World Cup reaction. There's the emotional, which is now, but then I think there's probably going to be the physical, yeah. which is later in the season. And I think um, you know when you get to March, April, May time. I know different players play different amount of games. You know, um, I think someone like Mbappe or something. You know, and, and the demands if PSG go on into the latter stages of the of the Champions League, which obviously isn't a given. Um, you know, some of those players it might it sort of might catch up with them maybe later in the season. Um, but it's very hard. I think it's very individual. You know, it's, I'm not sure if we're going to see some collective trend that we yeah. can that we can draw some conclusions from. And I mean, to be fair, like you know, clubs now have all the access to the sports science and everything that should be able to warn them, you know, if players are sort of in a danger zone in terms of how they've pushed themselves. But I think you've seen it, like there's been, it's been reasonably sensible how clubs have been uh, sort of reintegrating players. It's probably a bit of a managerial challenge, like how much time is enough? Like if you, especially if you know a player's celebrating and it's like well, you obviously don't want to like take something if away I, if I won a lads I wouldn't have seen <laughs> yeah. that much. yeah you want to take something you don't want to take something away from uh, like you know the, the, the special memory of someone's life but how, Just, do you me- how do you measure mental fatigue like see yeah. you have your physical KPIs that you might go right that don't you know they need rest they're going to pull a hamstring they're going to pull muscles because are Liverpool suffering from that at the moment yeah I, that's what I'm saying That how do you measure mental fatigue like because mm. they, they're, like you said you're going to get to March and they're going to go this feels like the longest season in the world because mm. we f- we fit a World Cup in between this that's never happened before so it's, it's something that these players and nobody ever in the history of the game has gone through that because nobody we've never had a World Cup at that time of the year so it, you can't even go to somebody how did you get through this because there's mm. no one to relate it to so it's a complete anomaly like, so how do you measure mental fatigue on players because uh, it is going to see like we're already sitting here going feels like a long season and we're only back in in January like, because yeah. the World Cup's been well there. I suppose it's, it's I mean to, to, to bring everything back home in a sense like you've got South France coming to Dublin in March and you think of like a lot of those French players are at high-end clubs so they're in the midst of like a, you know they've had this incredible sort of adventure or sort of draining adventure you know in November December where some of them were sick as well and there was all sorts of elements to it you know they go back to their clubs where a lot of them are competing for leagues and trophies so they'll be expected to be right at it and then they come to the end of the march and all of a sudden there's an international window thrown in there where they play Holland and then they come to Dublin and it's like something will give at some stage you know um, and, and maybe that's the really that's the last half full take from yeah, the Irish is perspective. There, is there still a winter break in the like Germany and Spain and all these countries? Oh, the top no, not not. not I've been mean, looking at results. The last, there was definitely matches in Spain and Germany in the last week or so. so. I think they've changed it this year, but in general, like they, they have some sort of yeah, there is some yeah. sort of break that does exist. I mean, like the Premier League was very adamant about getting back because of the, the sanctity of the the Stevens Day games. Yeah. They wanted to be straight back. I mean, they had the Carabao Cup, didn't they? Like two or three days. I know, like there was games in France like Mbappe was straight back at him but yeah. then he's probably he's, well, in he's 23 he's he's in, in yeah, he went to New York then but he was like you know it, again like it's a man management thing as well too to have that like, life to have that life yeah yeah Those exactly days, yeah that's... Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to imagine how 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 you would celebrate it, John. You know. Yeah, I just well, Johnny would be gone. Johnny, Johnny would be off. I then just remember I was watching the carry. flight coming into Buenos Aires. I was going, how yeah. how amazing is this? But yeah. I think that's thing for like Martin is like think of like you know he's the goalkeeper. He's been in the centre of it. He's been like stirring everyone up. Like and then he goes <laughs> like back into the world. He goes back and then he goes back to like you just go back to like club football to Villa and it's like. 
I'm in, I'm in Solly Hall. You know, like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like life just suddenly can just sort of... Sorry, Solly Hall. Yeah, no offence. Like, but you know what I mean? There is that sense of... Um, God, it's like it's like someone who goes on a great holiday and they're still talking about their holiday, like it's like being on January. Yeah, you know, people going on their J one and still talking about it, like for, you know, four months <laughs> later. You know, there is that sense of like you know, there's a real yeah, yeah. I lived in Sydney for two years when back in '04. You're like, all right, yeah, 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 exactly. There's a bit of that with the the. Um, yeah, Graves not talking about himself personally. No, to be clear, uh, he's winning cups then, but, <laughs> yeah. but with Barry Ferguson. But no, like there, there is that sense of like different players. We've actually seen like McAllister is speculation around his future and stuff. And it's like, do you suddenly think? I mean, the the mad one, of course, Enzo is, uh, is Enzo Fernandez, yeah. who could they say that the World Cup doesn't really add you know value to a player like it used to back in the day? Yet he could actually become yeah. the most expensive player in a the Rodriguez world. Rodriguez syndrome, wasn't it? Because after he yeah. done well for. Colombia, then Real Madrid, Bolton, and that there were there was that never reached those heights again. Oh, no, and then they were saying like that, you know, be careful because of Rodriguez. Look what happens. But I think when you it's a runaway train, though, the game that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think there's more research goes into the fact that they look at what he's, he's done and the distance he's covered as a midfielder. And Benfica have a track record now. Benfica are number one, number one selling team in Europe. Like mm. they've made the most money from their the the. Uh, transfers in the last uh, two years. Speaking so, of holidays as well, JD, a lot of people would have considered Dan's time in the Middle East as a sort of a, I don't know, like a working holiday. And you've had, you've had a little bit of time off since. I should have mentioned it was Aidan Fitzmaurice who did the piece on Evan Ferguson, but um, it's it's well worth the read. Personally, I, I wouldn't have considered it a, a working holiday. I, would. I didn't consider it a working holiday at all. Yeah, some Not people would be like, you're watching football, you're getting paid to watch It's one of the hardest things you can do in, mm. in, in this, and it's a very privileged business, is go to a major event. Like Especially the when there are like the two or three games a day or whatever, and you can go to two oh, yeah, games I listen, was, like, it, was it mentally or physically? Was, was it mentally like, tough? Well, it's just well, like, when, you, when do you know if the mental fatigue, you don't really know until I don't know, yeah. When we come in here on Saturday. We're the ones that brought it up. I'm the one I had. We'll know by the fourth podcast. I've already moved on to the next challenge. Um, Okay. No, like I mean, eighteen games in thirteen days. I mean, it's a privilege, but I mean, it's a it's a bit intense. But honestly, yeah, it just never plays well if you start talking about no. being hard. What about you, you just sound like a prat, really. Yeah. So okay. uh, you have to yeah. accept that. This has been a proper cup tie, JD uh, Blackpool and it's the magic back in the FA. The, 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 the magic, magic back some, in the FA. Some cup. really harsh, like some Johnny. really old school. Yeah. Don't have this debate every is year. Is yeah. The magic yeah. back is it? Sorry, just to bring this back to Ireland. I think the FAI Cup kind of started to decline as the FA Cup declined, but I think the FAI Cup has brought on way more magic in recent years because of the Aviva Stadium and I think the FAI Cup is as good as ever these yeah, days I love Ma- the it, maybe some of the earlier rounds like and the like the non-league teams have to do better and whatever you, you can look at that but I, I think that it's in a great position the FA Cup I don't know I mean Probably not, to be honest. It's so it, we can't have our annual January. Oh, we can't have that debate every year. <laughs> oh, but it's not like it was in the eighties when the this, the has, been, this has been a crack and tie. Like we have uh, to accept it for what it is now. No, like the, obviously, the, the underdogs in front. I mean, I presume like Blackburn wouldn't be a mass surprise, but the referees let some really, really um, kind of aggressive challenges go. It's 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 uh, January. You know, toy, it's, it? it's a proper cup tie, and like I do hope <laughs> bingo, for Andy Lines. Bingo, this would yeah, be yeah. a. I do hope for Andy Lyons that, like, if he were to win this game, it'd just be a, a great little start and give him that bit of confidence. And he's done, he's done fine anyway. What I've watched of the game so far on the right, they've got replays in the third and fourth rounds. I think it's to help the um, the lesser clubs, you know, get a bit of a payday. But no replays from the fifth round onwards mm. in the FA Cup. They're talking about scrapping them completely. Listeners out there, are you still invested in the FA Cup, or is it just a blur now? Uh, given how big it was as a competition in the a few decades ago, five three one zero six. 
I love the show Astonishing we've got a football show totally dedicated to another nation's league and we've no sure paper dedicated to our own obviously I know the reasons why but still baffling after many decades we still can't grow the game here says one of our texters maybe one day and then another uh, looking forward to a great year in sports hopefully be able to attend the Ireland matches for the Women's World Cup although probably a uh, problem with these tickets says Dermot on 53106 you do mention though just briefly JD like the Argentina team like coming off the plane and all that like the, the boost Ireland just doing reasonably well and winning a few games and like doing well against France and the Netherlands would be massive as much as we country. love Gaelic games Gaelic no, games doesn't have a market it's, it's, out, it doesn't have a market outside no, this country and, and, and forget about rugby in terms of like you know what it means to every corner of Ireland it, it doesn't like it's it's this is the sport for for the Irish national team that really like Italian 90 was will never be never be topped and this just even for Ireland to if Ireland were to beat France or you know at least get a one-all draw or you know create some magic for us I think it would mean so much and, and like hopefully even going in, I, my, my auntie last year uh, she, she she left a picture for all of us in the house she got a couple of prints up and it was me with me it was me standing on a stepladder holding me younger brother trying to get over the forward probably my younger brother my you. younger brother <laughs> behind me my other brother standing beside my sister and my uncle and my dad standing in the picture, he had his, <laughs> my dad had a full 88 Celtic tracksuit on. <laughs> and we were all in town waiting to see Ireland come home from, mm. from World Cup 90. Like, and me, me, me auntie got, a, me auntie Ireland got us a picture, all of us as a family there together, like just waiting, like, and even that moment of going in to see them. Like, just, mm. just there's with it. And you, you, I know, listen, not comparing that to Buenos Aires with, 50 million but it was our it one was as ours theirs. it was 1 million it was, mm. it was one third of our population yeah. at the time going out to cheer Ireland for getting to a quarter final of a World Cup and it was just like you said it captured the nation and it's if it's so important that the women's team hopefully can do well in yeah. the summer yeah. Uh, five three one zero six. You want to get in touch, lads? The FA Cup is like discovering it's an international break and no Premier League football. Devastating, <laughs> says Niall, uh, one of our texters. Um, harsh, isn't it? A little bit harsh. Uh, Half time scores: Blackpool one, Nottingham Forest nil, uh, Boreham nil, Accrington one, Bournemouth one, Burnley three, Chesterfield three, West Brom two. It's Fleetwood one, QPR one, Hull nil, Fulham one, Ipswich one, Rotherham nil, Middlesbrough one, Brighton two, Millwall nil, Sheffield United two, and Shrewsbury nil, Sunderland nil. We got Graham Gartland, Dan. McDonald and Johnny Ward in studio on Football Saturday. You can text us or ask a question to the lads on anything you want in terms of the world of football on 53106. Back after the news. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you 3 to 5. The first Football Saturday of 2023. Remember, Football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sports, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Tweet us at Off the Ball. Listen across the country on your radio and News Talk. Also, watch us if you'd like on the digital and social channels if you're on the move on a Periscope, Twitter, at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. Joined in the studio by the League and FAI Cup winning footballer Graham Gartland, football correspondent of the Irish Independent Dan McDonnell and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward, FA Cup third round weekend getting some texts in. Uh, Johnny was kind of talking about Italian 90 and the, probably the biggest things ever happened in this country and that's fair enough. Uh, Michael and Nermick's been in touch 53106 Italian 90 will never be beaten now Johnny what a depressing statement we didn't even win a game surely we need to be more ambitious than that. <laughs> I wouldn't mind us getting to the last eight of the World Cup <laughs> but it will never be beaten totally embarrassing it still gets a mention 2023 says Michael no but in terms of what it did for a nation like, and I, I was only a kid but I mean uh, Graham I think summed it up very well there I, I think in terms of the uh, country being completely coming out of the depression and recession of the 80s and having something that made the tricolour proud you know, proud to be having again and just the team getting to the 
they got to the last eight. Like, how far are we off that now? And we'd never even been there before. Yeah, it, it, it'll never be top. I mean, this, there's nothing new to say in this point. And maybe, again, we're all of a similar enough age and we're lucky enough to remember it. And to anyone, what, under... 35 or something like you know the Italian 90 is something they've 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 heard stories about um but it's because it was the first time and you can of course you can critically assess the sporting performance as you can of anything you know, as you can of like people still talk about you know a uh, monster in the all blacks and all these things like many years later and you could maybe break it down and go well you know what about this or what about that or what did that mean but it was the moment that lives and Italian 90 is the moment that anyone who remembers it lived through it like all those people come out in the streets because they were because they were stirred yeah. into doing so and like we did win a game in the football we're also far too cynical we're also far too cynical we performed better in the in the 2000 uh the 2002 World Cup. Oh, and we, 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 played, we played the best. But, that was the best Irish but team. you don't the... get there without Italia 90. Italia 90 was the catalyst well, for Well, that. Italia 90 was the first national celebration since yeah. independence. But you, I knew but, that was the thing. Yeah. Mm. And also, you don't get you don't get Papal that Congress you don't get the Japan that. Korea experience from them set of players without them player them players as kids yeah. having gone through Italia 90. Yeah. So that's what it sparked it. I don't think we've kicked on from that, and I still think we're a long way from realising the sort of potential, which was over 30 years ago. But in terms of facilities in this country and issues in the game here, there are still... But we fall back on the fact that, well, we've done it before. But what's happened is, yeah, we've done it before, but other nations have moved on and we're still trying to replicate, well, that's how we've done it before. And we'll we'll get this inspiration out of the the O2 World Cup. We'll get another generation of players out of that. But they need something to come into. Yeah, didn't build anything. Got a 5-3-1-6 high. Can you ask your panel if they've heard anything about this proposed League of Ireland facilities audit that is supposed to happen? Well, that uh, and I, I have been off work the last sort of couple of weeks, so uh, I'm not sure. There was an FIA AGM where I think uh, when I was when I was away in Qatar that it, that it took place. I think it was referenced that maybe it might be a little bit down the line before we hear. But I mean, this is a really important thing, I and mean, it almost ties in with what Johnny was saying. Uh, our general point. I mean, like Italian '90 should have been the catalyst to build yeah. facilities around the country, but instead we just lost our minds thinking, yeah, we can just keep you know throwing up sort of second or third gen, you know, second generation Irish players, and you know, news pages were filled with stuff about let's get Chris Armstrong or Vinnie Jones or whoever, Chris rather Armstrong, than yeah. what what are we doing? What, what are we doing? What are we doing with like uh, in recent years? What are we, even politically like? What are we doing with um, did the that the sport had gained up at that point and, and there was no legacy really at all. Um, so there is yeah, the FBI have come in and talked about uh, a facilities audit to completely audit the facilities. I mean, to me, a facilities audit, audit in some of the places wouldn't be too complicated. You walk in and you go, this is a dump. That's the end of the audit. You know, like this, why we're giving this place a derogation every year, um, it's clearly not fit for purpose. Yeah, but, the, but the problem is that um, it's getting the access to the funds to to obviously turn these things around and while people like me will go on about this I do accept that like you know to get access to maybe some of the the large scale infrastructure funds it, it can move slowly and clearly unfortunately like we're, we're in a kind of cost of living crisis at the moment and and um, while I think investment in sport always pays off you know it's always like the the return on investment is generally very good particularly if it's like community facilities you know and it's it's accessible um for for sort of a lot of a wide range i think it's always justifiable it happens so slowly like how also, long are we waiting for Finn Harps to do to, to, yeah. to happen you know and, and as a knock on effect for the health crisis as well, well I mean that's yeah. just going to say it's no, going to keep people out of hospitals it's a knock on effect for the health crisis because yeah. if you if you keep kids in sport and your, your previous guest touched on it before we came in if you keep kids in sport and active all the way through the lessens the health crisis further on uh, down the road so it, you're, you're actually helping yourself financially yeah. as well but um, that, I mean, to answer the question I don't I think the can has been kicked down the road a small bit but 
you're hoping to hear about it in, in due course. It probably has to be, Dan, but like important. you said, because the finances aren't there. So what other choice do you have? Well, the audit shouldn't be held up by finances. Oh. I think it's actually a report on where it's at. I think, I think it's been moving along, but I'm not sure if it's, if it's quite... Well, I don't think the know. finances are there to fix it. From no, what, you know, no, and I know no. they put in for a big a, a grant to say do what I think it ended up being something like seventy percent of the the sports grant that the FEI were looking for. Well, League of yeah. Ireland clubs face they, like like everyone they face a problem. If you're trying to build a house now, um, imagine multiplying that by you know a million because if you're trying to build anything to do with football stadium now, the prices are absolutely off the chart. So it is. It's not like as Dan is kind of right. It's it's easy to say oh like why don't the authorities? But it, he, it's complex. It's not straightforward. I, 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 yeah, my angle would be historical yeah. rather than say the last year. Or two. I made these so comments back when I was playing and uh, like I look back and think Jesus, you know, I probably should have just left it. But I remember talking about. And it was around a little bit what we were doing because we were going through at Drotted. They were, they were trying to build housing estates in Drotted, and that was part of getting a new stadium for the club. And one of the things was if they gave if they gave the owners this land, they could build loads of houses, but they were also going to build the stadium. And the, the council were going, no, no, there was a lot of red tape behind it and stuff. But that's where I, if, if I'm the government, I'd be saying to these investors that want to build housing estates, you need to build sports facilities yeah. that run in line with these housing estates. Because if you haven't got anything, where are they going to go? And also, you're, you're moving to an area that has X amount or has this stadium or has that stadium. You need to, that there needs to be certain investment from the property developers to build up the area that it, it's a good place to grow up for children to be in there and, and be able to participate in, in multiple sports, whether it's rugby, Gaelic, football, all these different sports. There has to be facilities for these. So if, if, if a housing company or a developer comes to the government and says, I want to buy this land because I want to put X amount of houses in it, there has to be a certain amount that they go, right, this needs to be for sport facilities for the future of the kids in this country. That that would be my take if but, I was uh, yeah. tarnished it. <laughs> Teacher even. Who knows? Yeah, he's just going for Tanisha. He's, he's aiming low. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. He's more of a number two. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. more of a. It's like you and Neil McCann yeah, again. Exactly. You know, yeah. Neil McCann is Taoiseach. Yeah. The name drop. Yeah. Yeah. You Christmas. haven't dropped. You haven't dropped a name in at least five minutes. Oh, to no, be fair. It's been a while. Uh, five three one zero six lads. We need municipal stadia, like your earlier commentator stated. Medium sized towns should have good facilities, not three or four per facilities in rugby, soccer, Gaelic, and hockey. With one large facility, we could have like, a community like, gym. Was I was la- yeah, I was laughing when like when when Pele passed. Way and you know this whole FIFA thing about you know name a stadium after Pele. People are trying to all these like uh, GA venues. I'm like lads, you wouldn't let football in the door oh, before no. you're calling it San Pele Stadium. It's like the, the classic <laughs> sort of uh, the classic sort of Irish mindset thing. It's oh, like no. FIFA wants us to know, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's 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 you know let's throw in a GA venue into this. And I mean maybe it's a little bit of a humorous take, but it's like yeah, imagine the idea of you know football in some of these venues. You know that would be that would be quite a thing, what wouldn't it? Sports then. Like build up the sports where you have Astros all around it. There's the stadium. So what happens is, and, and I go again, touching on my own experience here. I, one of the reasons I saw for Barnsley, Barnsley had an academy that was built around the stadium, was built under the back stand. So I used to go in every morning, go into the same stadium, see all the same people, uh, go out and train. But if I, when I when it was match day, all them same people were there. I was very comfortable. So when they said to me. You're, you're going to go out and play on the first team pitch. It wasn't this big daunting thing to me because I was like, I'm, I'm around this every day. I, I run around the track in the mornings. I go over and do my education over there. That that thing of my aim is to get there, but it's not it's not something that's unattainable for me. I can do it. If you're building like 
Astros beside the stadiums, gym facilities, all these er- things that people can go and participate in, and then they go eventually to get a chance to go clubs and play. Need to become more, club, like, clubs need to be more than pitches and, for, and seats as well. You yeah. know, you can become a community hub, you can have a bar there that's open like every night, you can have like various facilities, coffee shops, stuff like that. Yeah. That's the future. But like, I, I honestly do despair at this country. Like, when we, we have a half decent and it's half decent stadium like Tala, it's like, oh, this is amazing. Then you travel around like even Iceland or places like that, and like, we were a joke in this country with facilities an absolute joke like for a country with so much money we've so much money coming in from multinationals coming in from this or that and that is absolutely sports mad and then you go to a game in like even Terryland Park like has massive issues and that would be seen as one of the good grounds and you look the likes of even like Oriel and, and United Park and the showgrounds is, is, is would be put forward as one of the good stadiums miles behind Turner's Cross is really it's just seats that's it there's not much there's else no money it. for the developers to do that so it has to be d- but it no, has to be like, put in by the people that go if you want to buy all these houses and make profit off them put in a facility mm. as well well, we had a lot of we had a lot of correspondence between football and developers in the mid two thousands, and it didn't work out particularly well. <laughs> you know, like I mean, that like there was that was that always seemed like it would be the solution, and uh, it wasn't. But just a slight tangent, uh, but not really. Like the Evan Ferguson thing, we like, talk about facilities and how they pay off. Like, does this thing? Why are all these Irish players at Brighton? Because Brighton is like a fant- yeah. fantastic academy, like fantastic facilities. Other lads lad left there from yeah, Bohemians well, this week as well. Yeah, like Jamie Mullins has gone there. Uh, Andrew Moran, who also came on and met his. Brighton debut in the Premier League during the week uh, who was at Bray um, and like you know, there's, there's a few other Irish kids have been there or, or are there at the moment um, and that's a club that like Brighton in their own world like like Evan Ferguson was only able to go to England at 16 because his mother's English yeah. like mm-hmm. Evan Ferguson yeah. should actually only have been go- if Evan Ferguson's mother was Irish he, he would only have been joining Brighton Last, last week along with Jamie Mullins who's in his team or he would have maybe gone to Europe at 16, 17 and this is the problem we have in this country here that like Brexit is obviously a massive positive in terms of the opportunity it's presented to have more time but it is this sort of like uh, dilemma it's a sort of a, it's a maybe it's a, it's a pub debate would Evan Ferguson have reached that level by this stage if he'd had to stay at home until the age of 18. Now he is that just that naturally talented. He would probably would have done very well. I have to say no. But, but his last eight, the last 18 months he's been able to to get the access to Brighton and the co- not just the coaching because there's good coaches here but it's the facilities. It's the the ability to, the, to yeah, the, uh, the time, everything. And like that is one of these things about Evan Ferguson. It's a real quirk that hasn't really been picked up on. Like, I, if I his think mother, as well what's if really his mother wasn't like, English yeah, yeah. he wouldn't it's, have gone it's, by it's, it. I think as well if on the fact he wants to play football every day your mm. body's ready. Mm. At a certain point to go, I can put more into this. I, I do get find more out of it. And he, and when you when you get to that point where you you can't contain your energy, you need to train every day. Like, mm. You do. You I I just think on that point, I think mentally, like I if I'd say if I were a footballer, I'd get fed up with training all the time. I just get like what? you know what I mean. Like no, I don't know. Stop. Like you see a lot of players that stop. You Reckon. wouldn't. You wouldn't. No. Like honestly, like more of an insight into Johnny's. Uh, yeah, like, yeah fair like, enough. You struggle like, to concentrate you, you, on something you, you, beyond yeah, the period you, of time. You touched on Paul Doolan. Like the, the, the training under Paul was excellent. Like and the group we had was excellent. And you, I, I love training. Like you love it. You go in. You look forward to going in every day. You'd stay longer. Like we, we were only. I was only talking about with Shane Robinson the other day. But like we had a gym beside us and in, in the facility. And we had a table tennis. You wouldn't go home because mm. I, I, I live by myself. I didn't want to go home. Just like being around people, want to train, stay out, do extra, just want to be around people and facility because you're thinking, I need to take advantage of this while it's here because I didn't, we didn't have it because it was part-time at Longford. Mm. Other clubs didn't have it. I need to 
take advantage of this while I have it. And the other question I, on him, though, is if if he did move to Liverpool, it seems to have been a possibility. Where would he be now? And that that's interesting for me. Like, c- c- can you imagine like if Evan Ferguson were coming off the bench for Liverpool now? And I'm not saying he would, but like it'd be a good time to be coming in. Um, would he have gotten the chance? Would he have developed as well? I, I don't know. When like, you see, look, you, you look at what Liverpool have done. They have they have put young players mm, into the team. Mm. They're not like. Klopp, they, they redone a little bit of their academy as well a few years ago and they have put a lot of young players in and they've bought young as well. Mm. Some of them aren't coming through the academy but they have bought young. It's bought funny. Uh, the yeah. kid from Derry, Trent Coney, yeah, yeah, who's yeah. there, who a lot of people will be very excited about. And again, he he, can only go he's able to go at 16 because Derry is in, yeah. uh, it's in a different jurisdiction. It's funny, there's question marks as well about some of these younger players, whether they, you know, are going to be at the very very top level like Harvey Elliott yeah. uh, Curtis Jones so tough Cavalli was, was the lad he took from Fulham Fabio Carvalho yeah. you know so yeah, it is a long road it is a, yeah it is maybe Brighton is better because it's just a bit under the radar a little bit I'd agree with you on that I think yeah I think I mean that was Robbie Keane's logic wasn't it at his stage that um, like Evan Ferguson would he like it's a classic one there's no we, we can't prove like, what would have happened to Evan Ferguson but I suppose you can probably say with reasonable confidence like and what it annoyed me about last year like he was on the bench like maybe six, 15, 16 times yeah. for Brighton last yeah. year he was travelling away to prepare for a Premier League game every weekend now he only got a handful of minutes and sometimes he'd be an unused sub and you'd be begging for him to be brought on even in games where they were you know uh, games were done I think what, what harm and now clearly Graham Potter was the manager at the time they're probably thinking let's just expose him to this environment just the experience of the environment he probably wouldn't have got that at Liverpool at that age yeah. you would think yeah. you know and like to what extent has that played a role in his that's why I look at Bazunu and I'm thinking to myself I'm watching a lot of football over Christmas I'm seeing Bazunu you know picking the ball out of the net a lot Southampton are struggling I know they won today but the experience of that going to these grounds going to these big stadiums playing well saving a penalty as he did at Fulham is far greater than what Callagher's experience in the moment in my view and even watching watching how people prepare like that like, I, like again I touch on it obviously I used to speak to Michael quite regularly about the players he played with and what he done and how he done it and it was just uh, Michael Dubery is it yeah that that like the fan of me as a kid watching these players play like Desai, I remember the advert to Desai with Adidas, and then all of a sudden I'm playing, beso- I'm playing beside a fella that played with him, and I'm asking what was he like, and you're yeah, having these conversations, and it was, it was that most footballers are fans who become footballers because mm. they they love the game, they watch it, they have posters on the wall, they've the 1990 sticker book, they all that stuff that that you, makes you want to love it, and then all of a sudden you get exposed to it, and you're you're trying to be relaxed when you bump into these people, but the still a bit you going I remember watching him play or I remember watching or so you're asked I was asked him how did these people prepare and he, he said like he would tell me about the how the Italians used to eat the food and what they'd have and how they were always like stretching and, and getting massages and you know and how they prepared that they were always ready to play and stuff and he said oh, and he learned from that and I'm asking him so that type of thing that the likes of what Evan Ferguson's getting being around top pros and watching them how they prepare for games that experience he's getting just like you said exposing them to the World that. Cup winner in your yeah, yeah. Watch, watch watch what they do and, and learn because I might, I might be able to show you or tell you but when you watch and you see the benefits that that player's getting because he slept right he ate right he, he made sure he was ready to perform he took in his information and then that's why he succeeded if, if you Saturday. want to temper enthusiasm about this because like I think we need to as well like a part of me is like I would absolutely I really want this to happen I think it may well happen but if, if he's not he's no issue off the pitch physically he seems to be developing what can go wrong for Evan Ferguson right now in the next three or four years that we're hearing off the ball on one Saturday saying is he, is he on a patchy run here like what will happen 
what, what are we going to be? But like, every every like again, Ryan Giggs went on a Ryan Giggs mm. burst onto the scene and then went through a a, a, a dip. Michael Owen was the same. Like mm. a, a lot of these players that come through and burst through, the the. They dip a little bit because there is an element of plateauing. But again, it's learning, right? How, what, what have I, what's caused me to plateau, and how can I fix it, and what do I need to improve on? Harry Kane's a great example of a footballer that went out on all these loans and came good. Harry Kane isn't lightning quick; mm. he's not, mm, he's not pacey, not, yeah. but he has such game intelligence, and his movement in the box is lethal. He's gold the other night. He's a ten and a nine. Yeah, he's gold the other night. He's touch bang. The quick release of that shot. He doesn't even have a back lift on his swing. He's, he's, his foot doesn't even come back half a yard. It's just touch bang. The defender can't even get set. Doesn't even get a chance to slide the keeper gone past the keeper before he makes it so learning to go right well I, I'm Evan mightn't be he'd probably be quicker than Kane but I need to work on getting shots off in the box quicker like him or I need to work on me hold to play like him so it's learning all the time and, and avoiding the injuries like Harry Kane what's yeah. the longest injury Harry Kane's had you know like he is it a few um like ankle you, problems but yeah, yeah but you know in terms no, no, of, no career well was a career and like he was established when he got them you know what I mean I think yeah. that's the thing and he didn't that, kill a pace that he didn't have like yeah. Adam Eder to me is still a, a great talent yeah. like Adam Eder like last January was it he played against Everton and he was looking particularly good and then he doesn't kick a ball yeah. for like nine months so yeah. but Evan Ferguson that's all like I mean let's be honest a bit attitude like gives you a better chance of making your own look but you yeah. can still have bad luck yeah. with an injury at the wrong time or a change of manager at the wrong time. But I think with Evan, the encouraging thing is that he survived the change of manager. In fact, he's actually wow. thrived from it. Blackpool have scored again. 2-0 against Nottingham Forest. Andy you Lyons mentioned McAllister as well, JD. So he scored for Brighton. But uh, Evan Ferguson, I don't know. I think we're over. I think we're overhyping him. No, I don't think we're hyped. I think we're just having no, a conversation. He hasn't scored one of the three goals that they've scored today. Anyway, ah, hopefully Jesus. he might get one. I know, but um, like, I, I, I think it's just a conversation. I, again, I'm not build, we're not building him up to say he's going to be... He's playing the Premiership at a very young age. He's scoring in the Premiership at a very young age. I agree a little bit with Johnny saying if these lads are playing the Premiership, it doesn't automatically say they should play for Ireland. But if they're performing in the Premiership regularly, they, ha- they have to be then considered and to be right in the top well. There will level. be a clamour. Consi- but the difference, was, the difference in the warden is if they're performing in yeah, the Premier League. Say if he scored, like, for example, four more goals between now and, say, the Latvia game or whatever. And say then you've like like obviously either Parrot or Buffemi, the other kind of Robinson. Um, there will be people saying, yeah, he's got to start. And then Stephen Kenny's like, well, I've no experience of him starting up front for Ireland, let alone in games of the magnitude ahead. Well, it's particularly as well. This is this is where the clamour is, of course. People will go for the player of the moment, but Ireland are playing France. In reality, the challenge in that game is going to be very different mm. for the front man to what Evan Ferguson is facing for yeah. sort of a free-flowing Brighton team yeah. in great form. Like the number nine, the, the foremost striker in that game might need to be a really quick player, you know, playing on the break. It might need to be an Ogbeni. You're going to, you know, soak pressure. Like I think, I mean, he has incredible ability, and if he has ability, yeah. like you know. Like maybe that will that will supersede it, it will dominate it all. But it may well be that you 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 want your number nine for that game to be a real counter attacker who's defending from the front. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have the skill set to do that either, but he mightn't be the first person that would spring to your mind. You would think like like he's he's getting a great experience now in, in Brighton. And he's got a chance to get running the team there potentially as the central striker with runners coming off him. But will it be a different role within the Ireland team, even within the you know the, uh, within a front two? Like what what's his role relative to like is he better with Parrot with Obafemi with Ogbeni? So these are all the ingredients that come into it. But clearly. Clearly, um, 
that will be go out the window in the context of Ferguson has to play, he has to play, yeah. he has yeah, to play, yeah. he has to play. Uh, and Kenny, who's tried a lot of young players, will then be accused of, of you know, not trying, uh, not trying a young player. Uh, we have other sports as well today. Ulster lost 31-29 to Benetton in the URC uh, and Tamuris at 5-2 won the big race of the day across the pond. Uh, the Tolworth novices hurdle at Sandown that grade one. Paul Nichols trained Harry Cobden Road. 5-3-1-0-6 some texts on uh, stadia and stadiums and grassroots and all that kind of thing. Took up soccer for the second time in four years. GA head in brackets. We haven't had a game since mid-October. Only trained twice. All weather related. However, the last time I tried to play the grassroots stinks as one of our textures. Another one. On grassroots facilities, lads, I manage an underage team of under 14 soccer due to rain and a lack of astro pitch availability in Cork. Our team have only played two league games. We'll now roll into the summer. There'll be games called off due to congestion when the weather gets better. The lack of facilities is a real problem. I, I didn't realise, Marie Crowe spoke about this with yeah. the young kids, the, the complexity of um, games being called off because Dublin has a different climate to the west of Ireland. I mean, that's blatant. And, it doesn't and really Kerry. It, like, but I mean, you're down in Kerry and it rains every, not every day, it rains every like two minutes basically. Like, Grand if you're inside a five star hotel, it's, though. It's, um, you can look out at the rain, but um, <laughs> this, is a, this is a big problem. And like, again, it's the mixed season of playing football in winter. So, I mean, we're going down a long road there, but I mean, it, it doesn't really make sense to me. But I mean, we Shane Keegan on and said, well, you couldn't do that because then like they wouldn't play, they, they would just abandon football because of uh, soccer, uh, Gaelic football and hurling. Do you think so? so? Do you think it down in, in, in the west of Ireland and, and in GA strongholds they just abandoned football altogether? A, to lot, play a lot would. No, 100% yeah, a lot would. Do you think so, yeah? It, this is, it's still a massive problem, particularly at the My opinion on it, and, this, and uh, I'm, pro, I'm pro any sport, there needs to be a better relationship between the clubs to go, right, we, we want them mm. to play multi-sports here to a certain mm. extent. Like so, how do we facilitate that they can play football and a Gaelic match on a Sunday and a soccer match on a Saturday or a football match on a Saturday? I'm not calling it soccer. So, uh, and how do we can fit in the training? Like, yeah, they might miss a day's training for whatever, but at least that's still doing something. So they're not missing out on too much in terms of physicality. But you're right. We're not set up to have winter sports in this country. Like, we're just not. We haven't got enough facilities. We haven't got enough indoor domes. We haven't got enough uh, Astros. We haven't got enough space to cover the fact that games are just getting called off. What's and, a player development? Even, so, like, how can even, you develop as a player in a correct. bad pitch? Yeah, and even in terms of... Like, and again, as they get older, how do you do... Ta- you can't even do, like, even sort of... Right, we'll do a bit of tactical work. It's mm. raining. Not that you should be doing tactical work with younger age groups, but there's just no facilities. You go... Again, Scandinavia play winter... Uh, summer season, but they have indoor halls. Like mm. so, as soon as the weather kicks in, they're, they're indoors training. Like now, Scotland are winter seasons, but every Premiership team in the every team in the SPL has under under soil heating, mm. so the matches don't get called off. That's a must. You, you don't get into the Premiership unless you have under soil heating. <laughs> this game has, but been you still <laughs> struggle with facilities. Yeah. This game has been mad, JD. The, the chances that Forest have missed uh, two 0 down at Blackpool, and it does look like a if not a giant killing, it does look like one for the underdogs. Blackpool have kind of they've had a bit of a smash and grab Forrest have missed so many chances and Andy Lyons may well be on uh, track for uh, would this will be his first win as a starter for is this his first first, start? Game. first game first game full stop so yeah yeah 5-3-1-0-6 to develop in Brazil and Portugal on sand pitches no arguments says one of our texters summer football will never work it's got to go with the school year children should not have to commit to sport all year round says another texter so what you get two week holiday in the summer so you, you, you take your kid away for two weeks holiday and you miss two weeks of football and then but you know what you can you can go out and play football from five till ten 
every evening because the light is there. Like I, I was a kid. I used to go come home from school. Or if I was off school, I play football during the day. I go training with my team. I come back home and I go out and play football on the road with, mm. with my mates. You, like you, you too much energy. I just don't. Uh, 53106 I'm from Finglas on Ireland doing well in the rugby means a hell of a lot I'm a football fan and an Irish football club with the same coaching structures as Leinster we'd be a lot better off in terms of producing players the best rugby academy in the world irrelevant of what Johnny Ward thinks says Michael yeah <laughs> fair, fair enough and I, I, I don't uh, when did you I, say what did like, you rug- say rugby is a game Johnny's of, relationship with rugby is like, yeah but rug- rugby is a game of, of, of a small a select yeah, yeah. number of nations like sorry like soccer is a global game what, what would the rugby world cup get viewing wise compared to the soccer world cup for example but globally they, have, they don't have to qualify do they so only some nations it's just, just straight in teams. like I, I, I enjoy watching rugby like to extent, into the you can't compare soccer and rugby I mean soccer is a global game rugby isn't Oh, another one. Another three goal nil. for Blackpool. Uh, CJ Hamilton. Republic That's of him. Ireland international 3 0. Yeah, Ireland squad. Yeah, Why isn't he, he in the team? Why isn't he playing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ferguson has scored today. Evan Ferguson has been substituted, uh, as I see. He's been removed from play, I think, by Danny Welbeck, but he was involved in an, uh, one of the, their first goal. Latest scores from the FA Cup third round uh, Blackpool 3, Nottingham Forest 0, as we just said. Bournemouth 0, Accrington 1, Bournemouth 2, Burnley 4. They're doing really well, Burnley, under company. Chesterfield 3, West Brom 2, Fleetwood 2, QPR 1, Hull 0, Fulham 1, Ipswich Town 1, Rotherham 1, Middlesbrough 1, Brighton 3, Millwall 0, Sheffield United 2 and Shrewsbury 0, Sunderland Did you see nil. the clip the other day on, on um, the internet with company working with Luke McNally, Luke McNally. who's actually come off, the, come off the bench today Luke yeah, McNally really Yeah, really good it was Yeah, just talking about how to deal with strikers when they're on the move that you, you need to be in motion as well and your right arm comes out that he doesn't get it but, but it was really good it was really interesting just see it, to see someone like company working with a young centre back uh, individually and it happened to be Luke McNally who if he'd probably be pushing to be in the Ireland squad soon as well. Well, he hasn't really played a huge amount, but there was a first half injury that allowed him to come on today. He's a centre half who joined from Oxford. Right, yeah. um, Ex St Patrick's Athletic. We interviewed him um, last week. Smashing kid. Yeah, like great fella. Um, a real, a, another sort of late developer. Sort of really late. Yeah. Yeah. He, was, he wasn't even a sort of an exceptional schoolboy, but he's he played of, Gaelic again. This is the thing. He played Gaelic, and that kind of imp- impeded his development in football. So he had like that. Those two. Or he choices. shot up. Don't ask Jack Grealish though. But he shot up, Johnny. He shot like from yeah. about sixteen to. To Would have been nine, a probably 16 a to 18 he, he grew to nearly 6 foot 2 mm. like he became this obviously this presence and then he's filled out but I do yeah. genuinely think I, I don't think there are many countries like Ireland where there's such a clash between two or three sports where you could easily play rugby football or Gaelic football or even hurling um, I, I, I can't off the top of my head think that in England it doesn't seem comparable you probably it's probably not much of a crossover between football and rugby there, there are only two sports there are so many alternatives here and particularly in rural Ireland where <laughs> You are, you're, you're kind of brought up to be a Gaelic footballer more so than a soccer England, player. England is 12 times population and football by miles is their national exactly, sport. Exactly, yeah. And I think we fight amongst ourselves about it. Like I think mm. the, the, the GA organisations and, and people involved in football we, we, we hinder each other because we'll fight for the kid. No, you should just concentrate on soccer. No, you should just concentrate on Gaelic. And I think we we specify too early with them and it becomes nearly a tug of war for them. And you say in America... It was once illegal to, to play yeah. both, to be fair. I know we're talking like 40, well. 50 exactly, years yeah. ago, but I mean... I don't think it was illegal now. Well, no, well, well, like my dad would tell me in Prohibited, prohibited. The law of one association prevented you, like, you know, you'd have spotters out there, you know, people... But you think about it, in America I don't think there's like a clash between like basketball baseball and American football per se I think it's, cl- it's clear at an early age what you're going to play
play. So it is we, we are unique in many respects in sport in this country, and that's it's a challenge. Like because we lose a lot of players that just don't play anymore. But, but we go on about it a bit as we well too. Do. That like well, we we, we, when Croatia year. get to the like quarterfinals, semi-finals, like well why can't we be like Croatia? And it's almost like well like Ireland are the only country in the world like that has like a clash of sports. You look at Croatia; they have loads of Olympic medals, like mm. in loads of different disciplines and codes. No hurling. It's not as if they're just all like yeah, that's it. They've no hurling. No GAA. Like all our all our inter-county players, if they wanted to, they could be Premier League footballers if they put their time to it. I mean, this is, this is one of the, this is the this is the this is one of the great great discussion points. You know, I think um, I think David Clifford would have been all right. Think he'd have been all yeah, right. but that, we say that, but then we see like Graham Garrett, Yanti Toho, like this they the went best. over really late though. If you're developing, if, if if David Clifford were basically like trained from the age of three to be a, a a footballer or a soccer player, whatever you want to call it, I'd say it's reasonable to suspect he would have been extremely. You think good. it's harder to go? I I think it's harder to go the other way. I think it's harder to go from Gaelic to soccer. Mm. I think a soccer player could go to Gaelic. Mm. Jordan, that I think your skill set in soccer allows you to go to Gaelic. Because you're, you're, you're good with your feet off the ground, you'll pop the ball up, you'll work off both feet, and then it's just about a hand eye thing with, with doing so. You're, you're obviously going to be good at keeping up. So that David Clifford so was a centre half. David Clifford, yeah. like David Clifford did play for Kerry uh, underage and was a good player. Like, and then I've spoken to sort of players who played against him or around him, and you know, there's a split opinion. Like, one or two are convinced yeah. he would have gone very far yeah. uh, in football if he put was, it was the lad that played with Jack Bourne that you were talking Keen about. Lynch, oh, Keen, the Keen, of the year, yeah, Keen yeah, Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like there's a couple, but um, I found Gaelic easy. Yeah, you found everything easy. No, I fair. didn't. No, I struggled. With your media career. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. bumping into you found tough. But, uh, um, I found Gaelic that when I went to play it, I thought I got to a stage where I I, I found it quite easy. Mm. Like I just playing for my skill, I thought this is easy. There you go. How the, the debate you never have? How many like uh, professional footballers could have been intercounty GEA players? Me, me, me we, never, Steve, we never talk about that side Steve of the Bradley got asked to go on the. And I'd imagine Bradley go, go on trial for Dublin. We were, what age were you at that time? I was sixteen. Stephen was fifteen. We were playing for any regrets. He could have been like winning all Ireland. Uh, no, I was like we were just we sort of we just said no. Like Steve, the Brazilian Stephen woman had anyway. signed for Arsenal and I had signed for Barnsley, so we were sort of going. There's no point, but we were we were only playing for the school, and the school ended up doing better than we thought because we weren't a very good uh, sort of sporting school, a small uh, Jobstown. Uh, <laughs> Jobstown Community College like there wasn't that big a deal but we got to a quarter final one year and we'd done well and then they, they approached us and Stephen was going to Arsenal I was going to Barnsley so it was like no but it was like taking 45s and all and just putting them over the bar and taking free kicks I'm <laughs> sure there's some really that's just smashed <laughs> sure like Stephen like Stephen was a joke because he like <laughs> I remember a ref actually blew him up because he soloed it and then hit a half volley <laughs> and uh, like he put the half volley over the bar like and, and it was like a little clip and the ref blew, blew her up and he was like and, and Stephen's going what are you blowing her up for like and he's like it's a double hop and he's like it's not a double and, he, and then I'm, I'm arguing for him I'm going it's not a double hop and then I'm thinking it is a double yeah, what? you're not allowed to do that and he's like you're not allowed to do that and we're going what like it was mad stuff like, the, like we, we, we used to have refs going we used, just, we used to just bend over and pick the ball up and we'd go why and he'd go because we just used to like do it tap up with our toe and it pop up and he go we just just at once bend over and scoop her up properly like we just flick her up and pass to each other on the ground and like clip across to each other and 
but it was a football school because all the, all the lads used to join in and they'd just be like I remember one lad scored a header in the game, in the game, in the match game. and the ref, in the game like, football match, the ref, yeah, the ref just that was went, illegal, actually. Yeah, he just came across, bang, diving header, and we all just were like, yeah. And then you, you look around, and he's like, the ref's gone free out, and we're like, what? And then you're not allowed. We're like, hey, like we're just so oblivious. We're just such a working class school that was like so oblivious to the fact that not allowed to do that. No. Stop. We just just and the refs just getting so frustrated with us, these Gaelic refs going. We just just pick the ball up. Oh, you stop hitting half volleys. Like it was just mad. Just imagine just crazy. doing randos in the warm up was a big <laughs> was a big giveaway. You know. Yeah, just mad stuff. Like you just laugh, like you laugh about it now, but it was just because you're so you were playing football every day and had that ball and the ball travelled further. You could kick a Gaelic ball miles. Yeah. We'll be back after the break with Graham Gartland, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward on the rules of Gaelic football. <laughs> And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John, I'll come with you as always until five on Football Saturday, the first of 2023. Happy New Year to you all. And we're uh, on News Talk across the country, also streaming the conversation on digital, on YouTube, Facebook, the OTB Sports app, as well as Twitter. Joined in studio by the former League of Ireland and FAI Cup winning footballer Graham Gart and football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonald, and a broadcaster and journalist, Johnny Ward. FA Cup third round scores, 10 matches kicked off at three. And in them, Blackpool 3, Nottingham Forest 0. Bournemouth 1, Accrington 1. Bournemouth 2, Burnley 4. Chesterfield 3, West Brom 2. Fleetwood 2, QPR 1. Hull 0, Fulham 1. Ipswich 3, Rotherham 1. Middlesbrough 1, Brighton 4. Millwall 0, Sheffield United 2. Shrewsbury 1, Sunderland 0. In Scotland, Celtic are 2 0 up against Kilmarnock in the Premiership. 80 minutes on the watch. Aberdeen 1, St Johnston 0 is lay the score. Also, Ross County 0, Livingston 2, and St Mirren 1, Hearts 1. Just Graham Gartland on Liverpool. What has gone wrong in your view? Uh, I think we touched on it earlier. I think mental fatigue. I think they've played every game they could last season, all the way up. They got to the finals of everything. They, sorry, they went to um, they went to basically the last game of the season, so they had everything to play for. And I think um, it was a short in pre-season because of the World Cup. And I think with the high energy that they play with, and they haven't been able to play with that this season. And I think when they're not able to strangle teams the way they used to, they're not able to put the fear into teams where they're constantly on them in terms of even attacking like one at second and third attack they're open to more counter-attacks themselves so their transitions haven't been right um, they're not set up for to stop counter-attacks as well to give them second and third phase attacks which then tire teams out as well teams are able to take a breath against them which they weren't previously um, so they went through a dip like this probably two seasons ago I think it was Allison's goal in the last game against West, West Brom, Brom yeah. puts them into the Champions League um, and then they, came, they come back from that make the Champions League final like you said uh, push City all the way to the league win the FA Cup win the uh, the League Cup oh, as well so maybe they might, maybe next season they might reset and come back with all the young players that they, they are bringing in that we touched on as well but I do think it's mental fatigue. I do think it's physical fatigue as well. I think that I think when you get to that level of performance and that level which the Premiership is at, I think all these factors are lo- taking percentages off. So the mental fatigue, the physical fatigue, the dynamic probably isn't quite right in terms of the likes of Diaz is injured um, on the left-hand side, which has brought a lot in since Mane left. Um, the midfield hasn't been quite right. Um, is that the biggest problem in the midfield? You've got Henderson's miles on the clock now. Fabinho didn't play much part in the World Cup. Elias is seen as maybe a bit too young and maybe is he good enough? 
they have a lot of strengthening to do there. Yeah, I think I think what like Graham Sunis touches on this really well. Like Liverpool's team, are, the midfield were very workman like. They weren't. There wasn't a lot of guile in them in terms of like top end of the pitch producing like small little intricate through balls Thiago has brought a little bit of that but he, he's more of a controlling player in terms of getting passes from the back line and linking the play rather than producing true balls a lot of their a lot of their sort of um, creativity comes from Trent on that side Robertson as well at times um, but so but they've been working like they're honest they're in touch with the front line they're in touch with the back line the, the, the distances at the moment are probably a little bit too much for them to cover because the back line can't get up a little bit because the pressure from the front isn't as high as it was you can't play a high line if there's no pressure on the ball you can't play a high line uh, if the midfield can't get in touch with the strikers because now there's gaps for the the, the opposite opposition midfield to come and collect so I think all of these factors have just diminished them by your percentages and when you're playing in, in the probably the mo- the toughest league in the world in, ter- in terms of its intensity I wouldn't I'm not talking about quality here I'm talking about intensity constant intensity them little percentages add up and that's why they're probably not hitting the, the heights that they did last season Can Arsenal do it? Um. I'm not. I I think they'll have a go at it. I think getting over the line is a big thing for them. I've seen that w- w- when your previous guests were talking about winning and how to win from how to basically grow over the line from winning position. Um, they haven't many players, maybe that have gone through that with Arsenal because they haven't won in so long, but they have to be there to do it. So they're going to have to give themselves a chance. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk about Arteta's antics on the sideline, but it just shows that he's invested in the team and he wants to, like Klopp done it a few years ago as well, Guardiola done it, has done it at Anfield on numerous occasions, Ferguson has done it as well. The simple, f- the, the difference is that these lads have been successful and then they were doing it, where obviously he's trying, but I don't think that's an issue. When you're looking at City, though, the squad depth that they have, they brought Grealish on Mahrez on against Chelsea, both involved in the goal. Rico Lewis even coming on. They've got Alvarez to come. You'd have to think that they have probably the better squad, guys. Yeah, you would. Like, I mean, an Arsenal have a, a tricky run of fixtures coming up. Yeah. I mean, I know they've just the Spurs game, and then they have a trip. But although, actually, what well, Man City is, Man City, Man U is next weekend. That's right. Yeah. So, like, it's it. But I think I was actually just looking at the fixtures, just trying to get a handle on that. That City actually have a d- tricky enough run, but then they have a stretch where you. A sequence where you could see them, Ten in a row you know, when and, and Arsenal, you sort of think, right, if they can match City or get ahead of them, you know, extend the gap again. Then who knows? Like I've watched a bit of a bit of Arsenal over Christmas, and because I haven't really been that grabbed by the Arsenal story the last couple of years. Every year, are you now Arsenal? A little bit, yeah. I think they're good to watch. You know, Odegaard's quality. I really enjoy watching them, and like you know, Saka is a top player. Yeah, he really is. And Martinelli at the other side, and even like Enketia coming in maybe because they played the dog a couple of years back in the Europa League and there were a couple of the younger players were involved then Enketia and Smith Rowe maybe followed them a little bit more but actually like he's done okay in the absence of uh, Jesus and seems to be a bit of a crowd favourite now you presume they'll have to do something in January yeah, yeah, you'd have you know to so. and the, the Mudrick um, sort of I don't know was it a tug of war between them and, and Chelsea the Ukrainian player sort of be interested in him because he's he was playing um, playing against Ireland last year and he's, he's mm. a bit of a talent as well so but he's a, quite an exciting player as well too so whatever happens this season you think they've got the profile the age profile to be around for a long time what I find interesting is that City in the summer I know they let Sterling go to Chelsea as well but they let Zinchenko and Jesus go yeah, to City yeah, and you're almost yeah. thinking 
these probably aren't really a threat, you know, in the sense that you can, you can have, you know, can you imagine them selling two players to Arsenal this summer? Like, you know, could you no, imagine them selling two players to Liverpool? Uh, like, yeah. you consider that they were the biggest threat to them in the last couple of seasons. It shows about the well. systems. The Guardiola is all about the system. If you fit in the system or you don't, whereas these guys maybe got a bit of liberation out of going to Arsenal. That's true, but it's even just that City were able to let them go to yeah. that club. Like, yeah. they don't, City don't need to sell. I know, you, I know uh, ostensibly financial fair play exists, I mean, in a very a la carte way, and you have to balance the books in some ways, but but um, yeah, look, I think Arsenal. They're, they're, I actually think they're just—it's an easy enough story to to get behind and get into. I think, and I don't think I, I agree what you're saying. I, I, like you, Guardiola's system and 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 it's football and it's passing and it's it's a lot of small little passing movement. I think and a lot of control in the game. And like you, and, that's and, the problem that yeah. being the last couple of years when they've gone off autopilot, they've struggled. And and I see that. I I I think. Obviously, Arteta's worked at Man City and worked with Guardiola before he got the Arsenal job. And you can see elements of the way he wants to play and the control he brings. But I also see a freedom to their movement that they're, that they're so willing to run forward. And when you have that youth in your team and Odegaard is the one that links it, that he's releasing that. And that when you're 23, 24 and, you, and you're willing to run that way and you have players that want to produce and put, put passes in front of you to run onto that's where I, I find Arsenal a little bit better to watch than Man City. I enjoy that style a little bit more than I do watching Man City who probably have a lot more control in the game and can actually just suffocate teams and death by a thousand cuts type of thing. I've, I like watching Arsenal in the last probably few months where they've young players, they've got good playmakers in their team, they're willing to run forward, they're aggressive in what they do um, and they're, they're actually really good to watch lately. Just on Liverpool, JD, one thing that is interesting is they, they have a lot of ageing players sort of top to bottom in the team that are probably in decline and they don't seem to have like all these ready-made replacements. Like Nunes, I'm still not fully sold on. Um, and with the battle for the top four now, you wonder if they miss out on the top four this season, are they going to just splash the cash in the summer? Because they are falling quite a bit behind at the moment. Like their fall from grace has been more dramatic than I thought. But you look at like Van Dijk probably isn't the player he was. Um, I would say Salah isn't the player he was, which is understandable. Again, uh, Henderson definitely not the player he was. Um, and. I don't know. Like they, they, this could be a, a, a time when Liverpool are going to go into a bit of a slump for the. Well, the ownership years. situation is, is mm, obviously yeah. going to be central to to what happens. And will Klopp just go? Klopp just mm. strikes me as the kind of guy who might just leave. Yeah, because I think it's a big rebuilding job as it is now as well, and maybe he's done his job there. Yeah, oh, he did um, sign the new deal, but uh, I do feel sorry for the fans in one sense that. I don't did, think they, they can did. splash the cash, Johnny. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. That sounds. They, they, well, they he's just made bought this point it. as well. Like he just made, bought like, Gakpo, on it? But yeah. I, 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 Gakpo could be good. But in fairness, to, you know, he's made he the this player they point. want. That's yeah, the thing I was going to ask like, me. The, the Nunes signing for me is is a, is a funny one in the sense that he doesn't really look like the type of player that's would fit that system. But I think with Klopp now, he might say that, um, you know, I've done enough. The one thing I would feel sorry for the fans is they didn't really get to celebrate win the league yeah. when it was that Actually, silly, They won enough you know, trophies. Yeah, they did. But like, say, like, uh, Liverpool fans of my vintage, like, um, I, I started supporting Liverpool when I was like, uh, after they'd won the last league title. So I, I hadn't seen them win a league. And there are a lot of like, Liverpool fans around the age of like, say late 30s, 40, particularly in Ireland, massive support. And then you have over there where it was like, they did win the league, but it was kind of, it wasn't quite the same. Do you think Arsenal stayed across as a sports man, John? Uh, no, but they'll definitely finish top four, but they don't have the yeah. squad in my view. 
No. Mm. Well, they almost have to be added every game. First, we're going to finish second, JD. This is in this. <laughs> this is a new year. I don't know what, I, I, to, I don't know what I've said in the past. Year is meant to happen. <laughs> this know, is the year is meant uh, to happen. And Arsenal coming to. I should mention Andy Lyons is going to win. Promise Omashare, his old Bowes teammate, has, looks to have got the winner for Fleetwood against QPR yeah. in the FA Cup. And Danny Mandrew, former teammate of Lyons at Bowes and Rovers, has scored for Lincoln he's today. He's, he's a talented player of Omashare at Bowes. Yeah, I mean, do you think yeah. that all all those players were Bowes together at one time? You throw in Dawson Devoy and. The number of them, even like Kieran Kelly, who's gone to Bradford, the amount of them that are now. Longer's over, listening overseas. in and saying, well, how could I keep just like regret? Like, how could I keep bringing in 2020? Like, you'd love to. Was where it? are they now? Kevin's. Mm. Like, what, a lot like of old Kevin's players. All like. Kevin's players, yeah. 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 Arsenal bench against um, Newcastle was Fabio Vieira, Marquinhos, and Nathan Butler. Oh, yeah, Jerry. So, um, in terms of front players, I'm not so sure if they have it. Um, as we go into the closing stages of the show, uh, Graham Gartner was speaking about um, uh, Gaelic football. How would that guy fare in hurling? No chance, I guess. No, I wouldn't. no, no, no. How'd that, what's that guy? He knows me now. Jesus, you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I wouldn't add that. Like, uh, hold on, the completely different topic here. Like, I never mentioned hurling. Hurling, the completely different skill set. I wouldn't. Uh, I was There's rubbish more at hurling. Coming, I feel. There's I more was rubbish at hurling. Geez, you're clueless to listen to. We're not even halfway through the season. Liverpool will easily finish in the top four and probably win the Champions League, says Pork. Well, it's all about opinions, Pork. But, um, yeah, but Pork, we never mentioned the Champions League. I never, I And I never really said they wouldn't finish in the top four. Like I, 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 said I, I that think they have a massive challenge finishing the top four. My, yeah. I think I they'll finish they in the top four. But yeah, I, I, well, I, look how they played against Brentford. I think they'd be doing well to win the Champions League the way they played against Brentford the other night. Even, sorry, even against Leicester, they were desperate. Like They just they got two own goals and they won the game. And Brentford were like 5-1 to one to beat them. I was like, what? Liverpool are not good at yeah, one game thing game. is though like, there is fewer games because of the break like, mm. we're thinking it's January but obviously we're behind can they recharge though I, I don't, yeah. they should have been re- able to recharge in the off season and it's, it's funny you look off, at, like, they couldn't recharge in the off season it was a shorter off season it, yeah that's what I said yeah, with so the, the, we we had a lot of players who didn't go to the World Cup as well yeah um, love the FA Cup but as Newcastle fan I'm feeling very convicted it's been 20 odd years of negativity and obvious disgust now the ownership that said there's a lot to like about the current team it's an unusual feeling of confidence that they should win today after the change of ownership, I said I wouldn't support them, but it's harder than I thought. That's the, that's the dilemma, isn't Very it? Very honest, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, I saw Newcastle against Spurs live. They are the real deal. Eddie Howe, super manager, mm. really well organised. They're a top four team. There's a lot because I've seen a discussion about like the likes of Lampard struggling or Everton, and you know, a big name player who had a fantastic career. But do they make good managers? And obviously, the likes of Eddie Howe, who probably didn't have a, and even Graham Potter, for example, who probably didn't have as good a career as these lads, but then go into management and. You'd have some sympathy for Lampard as well, in the sense of like, yeah. how, how good are Everton anyway? Like, I mean, and the, you know, in fair, like, could, should they be doing an awful lot better? I don't know. Everton, Everton. Didn't he said some of these players aren't? aren't the, the, see, there's a legacy of four to five different managers mm. and different players and players on inflated contracts. And what are you then working with as a, mm. as a manager like Frank Lampard? So, um, but will Sean Dyche come in? You know. And, you never know. The Potter thing is interesting as well in that, like, will they give him time? He's a lot of lot of bad luck with injuries. Um, I think his contract is... Mm, it, it would the message seems they to me they'd be patient. I mean, it, did, yeah. it is a slightly different Chelsea administration to mm. the one before, yeah. but whether that doesn't mean... I think I also took a while to get going way. at Brighton. I, I was thinking about this today, is that it, I remember his first year at Brighton, he, he took a lot of flack for playing OK football, but with no cutting edge and no end product. And again, wasn't great to watch and all this stuff. And then... Obviously, the start of this season, Brighton started really playing fantastically well, and like you said, the facilities they have. So, I think um, I think he might 
I think he deserves a bit of time at Chelsea as well, you know. But I think he's shown that given time, he can turn teams into um, a good watch, and hopefully, then they be successful for Chelsea. Five three one zero six. You're so Dublin centric, folks. Felix Patterson also came on for Fleetwood for his debut. Says John. Didn't see that. Yeah, saw him play plenty uh, for, for Watford last season. Uh, Irish, though. We're talking about Irish yeah, players. Uh, he's yeah. he's yeah. not yeah. Irish, but Scottish. He's, uh, yeah. Good player. Yeah. Oh, uh, the oh, amount he's of he's uh, so English based. That guy. Yeah. That Fleetwood English. signed somebody. Mm. Fleetwood signed somebody else from Leeward in the David last Harrington, the goalkeeper. David Harrington. Yeah, I did, that was one that surprised me. On the bench. Yeah. Uh, I don't know actually. I'm not yeah. sure. Just yeah. Fleetwood, um, Woodwood, Fleetwood is definitely... Um, they, they did some great ads, i tell you, some they, great, great well, ads. If they would, they'd certainly be signing the League of Ireland players every other day. Well, like, Johnny Walters is now the technical director of both Fleetwood and Waterford. Yeah, yeah so there we go. And they're off to Dubai for pre-season. <laughs> all the lads used to head off to Mosny and now, like... Uh, oh, we went on a few pre-season <laughs> trips, yeah. We went to Spain twice, went oh, to Turkey actually, once. Yeah, yeah they were Who good. did you play yeah. against? Uh, How many more names know. can you drop before the show? Oh, no, no. Got, running out of time. I, out of time. I remember getting running sent out off in the pre-season friendly. Wasn't Black, good. Blackpool 4 and Forest 1 as a result in the FA Cup third round. Bournemouth 1, Accrington 1 as a result. Today's scores Bournemouth 2, Burnley 4, Chesterfield 3, West Brom 3. Fleetwood 2, QPR 1 a result. These are all results now coming. Hull 0, Fulham 2, Ipswich 4, Rotherham 1, Middlesbrough 1, Brighton 5. Millwall 0, Sheffield United 2, Shrewsbury 1, Sunderland 2, half 5 kickoffs, Brentford, West Ham, Coventry, Wrexham, Grimsby, Burton, Luton, Wigan, eight, uh, 6 o'clock, Sheffield Wednesday, Newcastle, and then 8 o'clock, Liverpool against Wolves. Dan, Graham, and Johnny, delighted to have the pleasure of company today. Thanks so much, lads. Thanks, JD. Speak right. to you soon. Got to leave it there, folks. Don't forget off the ball. Back tomorrow, 1 to 7. Joe Malloy in the chair, as always, here on News Talk. Got to catch up with the recently retired jockey, Davy Russell, for an interview. Our guests on the Sunday paper review are Sinead O'Carroll and Cleena Foley. We'll also bring you the latest from the All Ireland Club football semi finals. Be sure to join us tomorrow on your radio for all the regular updates and some great chat. If you missed any of the Saturday panel, Previewing the sporting year with Roy Curtis, Tim McCarthy, and Maura Trastini Cali, or any of OTB Football Saturday with Graham Gartland, Dan McDonnell, and Johnny Ward. You can find the podcast of our content on the OTB Sports app, or be sure to listen back wherever you get your pods. Thanks so much for listening to us on your radio across the country here on News Talk today. We'll speak soon. Bye bye. The more you play with people, the more you get used to their position, you get used to their movements, and obviously you build chemistry. Did it take long to build the chemistry with Shane Walsh, though? No, didn't take long at all. <laughs> Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts.